We're speaking today about in God's face where healing takes place. There's going to be something here that is going to work on you and move you as it did in the first service that it's been doing on me. I taught two weeks ago and a number of people still speak on that message. I taught on humility and this is like I guess you could say the second part because we'll be talking about what brings humility here as we get into this place of real healing and restoration. In God's face where healing takes place and as I was looking at this figure, it made me start thinking that in the exercise program that you do sometimes, they tell you when you're stretching to do the child pose. And that's right there is exactly what it is. That's called the child pose. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking that's exactly how you and I have to be. As I've been seeking God and, you know, when we bend our knees before God, it's a breaking of our knees. It's a symbol of breaking our knees. You could have seen movies where they bring soldiers in and, and they want to make their knees bound. If they can break their knees and cause them, they beat their legs to make them bend their knees. They, 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 they're finally in a point where they surrender and they're totally under control of the greater one. And so when we bend our knees, we're breaking our knees. But not only that, it's when we go farther and we break our back and we just bend it before God and we come to this place where we've broken our knees, we've broken our will, we've broken our, our self and, and all that we believe about ourselves. We've broken our back and we're in this child pose where we're before the Heavenly Father to be able to do that deep and that great work. And one of the things we've been seeing in the last few days is of course the swollen Mississippi and opening up the dikes and it said that in an hour, I believe like oh, 200 acres or something like that, maybe even more was had a, a foot of water and that the water was shooting up six uh, feet up in the air when they opened up just a few of the doors there at the spillway. And I started thinking about when we get, as you're going to hear in the word today, when we get before God in prayer, when you open up, sometimes when you really get to that point of prayer, there is an opening up that you will be surprised at how much starts coming out. It's like in counseling, when you start speaking to someone and they're not planning on going there but when they feel safe and they start going there, all of a sudden they start talking and they, something starts surfacing and other things start surfacing and this causes this to surface. And before you know it, they came hoping to crimp the hose, but when they got into an area of counseling and started opening their heart and they started going deep, it was like opening the faucet out, the faucet on full blast and the water was just gushing out like we're seeing what's happening in the Mississippi. And, and a lot of times people don't even know how to respond. It just so happened last night we were watching uh, the third parts of the Caribbean. It came on TV, so we were watching the, f the first beginning of it, and it showed uh, Davy Jones, uh, that octopus-looking thing, and he's there playing the organ. All of a sudden, a tear starts coming out of his eye, and he gets a tentacle, and he, he wipes off the tear, and he looks at it, and he's looking at it like, what is this? And then he said, he's, all of a sudden, he gets mad because he realized that his heart that he ripped out over a woman, say, over a woman, no, you don't say it. Over a woman, he gets his heart, he rips it out, and he puts it in a box, and he buries it. Well, they find it. And the reason he starts crying is because his heart is getting closer to him. The thing he ripped out is getting closer to him. One of my favorite, of course, is the Grinch. And he's there with that little heart, and all of a sudden, a tear starts coming out of his eye, and he wipes it off. I'm melting. You never saw a tear before, and all of a sudden his heart starts getting bigger and bigger. Well, there's something about when you start getting to the point where you get to what we're going to talk about today. It's beyond counseling. It's beyond speaking to a mother and a father. It's beyond speaking to a friend. It's going to an area that is so deep all of a sudden it starts gushing out and, and it just starts causing you to be healed. And a lot of the reason we're not more mature or stronger or more overcoming or the reason our countenance is not even where it's supposed to be is because we haven't had these deep moments with God. And I want you to see here in the book of Joel, Joel chapter 9 verse 12. It says, this is why, this is why, the reason why the Lord says, turn to me now. While there is time, give me, the Lord is saying, give me your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Don't tear your clothes in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord for your God, for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent, not punished. Who knows? Perhaps he will give you a reprieve in sending you a blessing instead of a curse or he will abandon the curse and cause you to inherit the blessing. 
There's a transformation that happens when we get to the point where there is a total connection and opening with God. One of the things I believe God is calling the body back. He said, my house is called to be a house of prayer. But how many days do we go without bending knee before God? How many days, weeks, maybe even months? We pray laying on our bed, and that's biblical. Yeah, David laid on his bed. But oh, but David believed in bowing before his God. And there's something about a church that gets on its knees. Not before man, but before God. Gets in this place where we're going to speak today about rending our hearts and opening up to God. Not a tradition of tearing the clothes, but a tearing of the heart for the restoration to God. I love what this rabbi said. He says, my people walk under a sign in the synagogue that says, in the presence of the Lord God. But when I look out, it looks like a group of tourists. That everybody's wearing their tourist clothes and they're all in a group and they're all following each other and doing, and, and, and everybody's just doing things together, but not people. It's not a bunch of people being real. They're just looking, what do we do next? And he says, we've got to understand the presence and whose presence we are. He says, a lot of times we act like Sunday school teachers. We act like Sunday school children playing with explosive because we don't know the power that's available to each one of us. So there's a manifestation of God that God wants to bring us and it comes to the area of prayer. Prayer is the spiritual process of aligning us with God. The Bible says in the book of James that a double-minded man will not receive anything of the Lord. He will stagger. The word double-minded is in, in Greek there means two-souled. And it speaks about double emotions or a divided heart. It speaks about a divided heart, even that, the, about God and about the word and about the, what, even the way I see myself and feel about myself and what God wants to do. One rabbi, his name is Abraham Heschel, he said this, prayer is an invitation to God to intervene in our lives, to let his will prevail in our affairs. It is the opening of a window to him in our will, an effort to make him Lord of our soul. The Bible says we're to cast our cares upon the Lord and allow our wounds to be healed. The Bible says in Isaiah in the book of Luke that Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. That word broken gives the explanation and uses the Hebrew word for a dried up branch or tree. That when you grab it, it doesn't break in half. It breaks into many pieces. And that's how a lot of our lives are without realizing it. And even out of our soulish man, we speak, we think, we act, we make plans, we, we plan our future, we make decisions. And many times it's out of, not of a root into the word of God, but it's out of brokenness in our lives. And only God can mend that brokenness in our lives. Prayer will disturb us and mess us up, but for good. It will shake the very habits and learned behaviors of our life. True prayer arises from the deepest feelings and reach into areas beyond confessions, faith, and thanksgiving. It's a two-edged sword. And what's interesting about the two-edged sword, it says that the two-edged sword divides asunder joints and marrows. And when you look that up, listen to this, this is in important as where we're going when it divides asunder joints to the very joint and marrow in other words what is covered up and not seen and difficult to get to when you're spending time in prayer and you're spending time in, in, in the word and prayer it's really on your knees broken and yielded before God the Holy Spirit comes to inspire and with that word of God starts digging its way into places unseen and difficult to get to there's, it's impossible to heal a broken bone by putting a Band-Aid on the outside. You've got to get to the bone. You've, the, the Word of God goes into the very places that are not seen, not even thought about until it's hurting. And the Word of God goes in there through the Spirit and it starts going and finding its way to the very core of what's hurting you, what could hurt you, what is slowing you down, what is causing you to respond and act remarry, make decisions, get jobs, have the attitude, have the character, the things that are making us going around many times in a circle, as we want to see in the Word of God, hating our very lives, because we have not spent that time on the Word, allowing that dam to just open up and allow it to start gushing out, because if we keep it in, it's going to explode. If we don't get in prayer and yield to the point to where something's getting to the very reasons why I respond the rejection of my father not being bonded to my mother whatever things it may be deep down inside to the marrow then we live with these things and we continue to act and react and we pray for the fruit of the spirit but yet there's something else going on and many times we are guilty about it's okay to spend an hour in counseling but we do not spend an hour in prayer 
We will go to a counselor and spend an hour. And if we have a good day, two hours. But it's this type of prayer that really fixes what no person else can. And this is what we want to see about this type of prayer. It gives birth to things beyond our natural understanding. It's prayer that reaches into the deep emotional side, the deep calling to deep. I want to share something with you today, and I want you to hear this. Job is being down to earth, and I want you to hear this area of pride. You don't find this, and I looked over some prayer books this week, and I can't find this type of teaching in a prayer book. I want you to see what Job says here. Job chapter 7, verse 11, the message translation, look what it says. And so I am not keeping one bit of this quiet. He's praying to God here. I'm laying it all out on the table. My complaining is hot, is to high heaven, is bitter, but honest. Now that word bitter in the Hebrew, it's fierce and violent. Get this now. That word, my prayer is bitter. It's the violent fierceness of a jealous mate. How many ever been jealous or had a jealous mate? My wife and I, when we were dating, our favorite song was Elvis' Suspicious Minds. I'm caught in a trap. Anyway, <laughs> I, I, I had the notes. I'd play and sing it to her, and we loved that song, but we fought all the time. We were jealous. One time I heard somebody holler for help at a zoo, and I got slapped because it was a pretty girl. I mean, we were jealous. Of course, I, I did look twice. But we had jealousy real bad when we were dating. And uh, it's vicious. It's horrible. But that is the way Job was praying to God. He said, I am not being quite a bit, and I'm going all the way to high heaven, and I'm letting my complaint out. And, and he was getting God's face. I want you to read this for yourself. He says, my complaining to high heaven is bitter but honest. It's a crushing experience. Are you going to put a muzzle on me? The way you quiet the sea and still the storm? If I say I'm going to bed, then I'll feel better and a nap will lift my spirits. How many ever said that? I'm going to take a nap and it'll be over with. Oh. Look what he goes on to say. You come and so scare me with nightmares and frighten me with ghosts. I'd rather strangle in the bedclothes than face this kind of life anymore. I'd rather die than face this life anymore. This is what he says here. I hate this life. Who needs any more of this? Let me alone. There's nothing to my life. It's nothing but smoke. How many have that in your written prayers? This is a man. He's going before God. And he's exposing his heart. And he's laying it all out before God. You already know my heart. I'm not going to hide it from you. This is how I feel. God, I hate my life. It's not even a life worth living. There is nothing to it. It's nothing but smoke. He goes on to say, what are mortals anyway that you bother with them? That you even give them the time of day? That you check on them every morning, looking in on them to see how they are doing? Let up on me, will you? Can't you even let me spit in peace? That's what he's telling God. Won't you even let me spit in peace? Even suppose I'd sin. How would that hurt you? You're responsible for every human being. Don't you have better things to do than pick on me? You make a federal case out of me. Why don't you just forgive my sins and start me off with a clean state? The way things are going, I'll soon be dead. You'll look high and low, but I won't be around. I want you to see the honesty of this man here. And can I let you in on a secret? His friends were telling him, you're blaspheming God. How can you talk to God that way? Let me share something with you. This man was not on his way to death. This man was on his way to double restoration. He had to get this out. Listen, sometimes we have to get broken and get to the very point to where it's so transparent and one with God that he can trust you with what he wants to give you. 
He couldn't trust God till Job spoke to him this way and told him the truth about how he felt. We try to cover everything with a good confession. We try to cover up everything with a good word. I wouldn't dare talk to God that way. Look what else Job said. Look at this. Job chapter 10 verse 1. I can't stand my life. I hate it. I'm putting it all out on the table. All the bitterness of my life, I'm holding nothing back. Woo. We hear somebody pray like that, I bet we say they're on their, their boy, they're going to die. <laughs> when, I, when we were in Bible school, my mom had just passed away. I was mad at God. I was speaking, I was speaking to God this way, 1984. I get a boat paddle. We had a boat motor. We had some churches on the river. I was beating the life preservers, and I'd have it out to God till I would just fall on the ground, totally exhausted. Went to language school. We were there. Nobody knew nothing. A prophet came through and called me up front. He says, "You're angry at God," and I said, "Yes, sir." If everybody said, "Yes, sir," I am. All my friends backed away. They backed away like lightning was going to fall. I said, yes, sir, I am. He says, but like Peter, you will be restored. After this class, my friends came around. They go, aren't you scared? I said, no, I'm not scared. I said, it's true anyway, so why not tell God the truth? He knows how I feel. So I'm not going to be like you bunch of hypocrites and just hide everything. I'd be more scared of lightning hitting you before he hits me. Because he already knows how I feel. I just love my father enough to tell him how I feel. And Job is opening up here and he says, I can't stand my life. I hate it. I'm putting it all out on the table. All the bitters of my life, I'm not holding back anymore. I'm not tearing my robe. I'm tearing my heart. When they would tear their robe, it would mean I'm exposing my heart to you and I'm totally vulnerable to you, God. I'm telling you everything there is in my heart. I'm going to tell you what I've never told anybody. I'm going to tell you things you've always known, but I have not confessed them to you. I'm going to come totally honest and transformed before you. I'm going to speak out to you. I'm going to tell you, yes, I hate my life. I'm mad about this. I'm angry about this, but this is who I am. I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to expose my heart to you. And I want to show you someone else who did that. Look at 1 Samuel 15, chapter 1, verse 15, 16. Look what this says here. But Hannah answered, the priest came up to her and says, you're drunk, you need to get out of here. She says, but no, my Lord, I'm a woman troubled in spirit. Troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor store drink, but I've been pouring out my soul before the Lord. I've been pouring out my soul before the Lord. That's what prayer does. It heals you gets you open before God. We cannot mature until we get some of the things and let it pour out. Hannah's pouring out before God. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman. For all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Look up that word vexation. Now listen. Anxiety and vexation. Doesn't only mean bitterness, it also means anger. It means an anger that is manifesting. When she was on her knees praying, she wasn't just like this. You know, the halos there and everything. It wasn't like this. That other woman that my husband's married to, she's, she's having children and you're not giving me any children and I'm a better woman than she is and yet I don't have any children and, and she's teasing me and we come to sacrifice in your temple and she walks away pregnant again and I don't even have the first child. Are you here today, church? She doesn't even, she doesn't even keep care of her children. And you know how I would keep care of my child? I don't even have a child. And my husband looks at me on, with pity as he gets the other one pregnant. Stupid man. <laughs> and, and, 
She's having out with God, vexation of spirit. I can't even spit in peace, Job said. She's all tense. She's all tight. She's all anxiety. But she starts pouring out to God. And some of you are saying, when will God speak to me? He'll speak to you when you've poured it all out. And it's empty so he can plant the seed. It just so happened at this moment when she was having it out with God that the Spirit spoke and gave her the idea. You give me a son, I'll give him to you. And God, now you're, since he didn't kill her because he was mad at her. He impregnated her, got her ready to be impregnated by her husband. He didn't, you know what I mean? How long before God spoke to me? God spoke to Job nine months later. In my situation with my mother dying, he spoke to me a year later. But I had to go through all of this pouring out. Till finally one day I was just in the child pose. And God says, okay, now I want to tell you why your mother died. And God spoke to me. And God healed me where the counselors and the pastors and nobody else could. I got it broken a year later after I had had it out with God for a year. And did God kill me? No, God loved me. See, my dad and I, we got into it after my mom died. My mom was buried two weeks and my dad was dating a blonde. Two weeks after we'd buried my mom, in fact, when she was in the ground, my dad went, hallelujah. Because that's what you were taught to do. And I was crying and all that. And two weeks later, he's dating this blonde. And so him and I had it out in the car. We, we, we fought. But he never quit being my dad and he loved me anyway. And to tell you something, two years later, my dad... He did get married after. My dad was engaged to six women at the same time. Yeah. He proposed to six different women. When he came to Mexico, he bought six gifts. I said, well, Dad, how do you know which one? Hmm, whichever one don't work out, then I, the other one must be God's will. He was engaged. Man, I mean, women, young women were calling him. They all wanted to marry a pastor. So, I mean, the women were calling him like crazy. And he was engaged six different women at the same time. But on his honeymoon night, honeymoon night, when she walked out, his wife walked out, he broke down crying. And he had a meltdown that was not fair to that lady because for two years he covered it up and never let it pour out. And it manifested at the wrong moment. And it started off a relationship the wrong way for 14 years. I'm being honest here. I've apologized to that lady for what she went through. Because for 14 years she lived in the shadow of a woman that I, my dad thought he had buried. But he had never buried her here. He had just covered and she haunted him for the rest of his life. A lot of times when you lose a mate, you get vulnerable and you get busy. My dad was buying a, a new car every week. A Lincoln and a Continental and all these cars and trying to do all kind of stuff, making all these major decisions to try to keep his mind busy. But you've got to break your knees. And you've got to break your back. And you've got to, why did you let her die? Why did she die that way? You've got to.
to get it before God and pour it out because it will build up as a dam and it will blow up on you and all the counseling and books in the world will not heal it like prayer can heal. This is deep. I'm sharing some personal stuff, but it's the truth because I love you. To bear my soul, vexation, anxiety. Look what else Job said. Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and he fell to the ground at worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb. And I'll be naked when I leave. The Lord gave what I had. The Lord gave me what I had and the Lord has taken away. Praise be the name of the Lord. Let me share something with you. When they would tear their robes, they would use a knife to start the rip in their robes unless it was a mate or a child. Then there was no knife permitted. Their grief, how to allow them to grab the valuable clothes and rip it, which meant what has been ripped cannot be mended. And they needed the rip. Listen to this. They needed to hear the rip because the hearing of the rip and the dirt on the casket help start the healing process that they're gone and they're not coming back. They'll always remember the rip and it means I expose my heart. I'm vulnerable. I'm out here, God. Lord, I'm, 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 I'm telling you what I'm going through. I, it means in the original, I mutilate what is valuable to me that cannot be mended. In other words, it's the word emotional nakedness. Adam and Eve saw that they were naked, but God knew how to cover. But he says, you've got to stop running and hiding. Come on, listen to me, church. You've got to stop running and hiding to allow me to cover your emotional nakedness. You cannot cover it in name brand clothes. You cannot cover it with titles, cars, houses, and position. You cannot cover it with friends who glory and praise over it. You cannot cover it even in the most expensive of hobbies. What you have to do is get vulnerable and get on your knees and rip it open and let me heal you. Only I know how to clothe you. Only I, says the Lord, knows how to heal you. Emotional nakedness. I expose my vulnerability. The word vulnerability means my emotional attack where I've been attacked or injured. It means to let one's guard down. It means I'm leaving myself open. That's what Cindy in counseling looks for, for some, when a couple comes in, that they let their guard down. Okay, this is, okay we'll lay it out on the table. This is how I am. This is who I am. I expose my vulnerability. We know a lot about God. And knowing is the word for intimacy in marriage. But how many of you know intimacy or sex in marriage is not the highest level of communication. Vulnerability is the highest form of communication. It's what makes everything else great, but you've got to have the vulnerability to be open, let your guard down, and let you know. If a husband and wife never lets their guard down and opens up and say, this is how I really feel. I hate it when you tease my bald head in public. I hate it when you say I'm fat. I hate it when you make those Goodyear jokes, Goodyear jokes about me when we're on the beach. I hate it where you tell all these things about me. When you say, look, I want to tell the truth. Oh, I didn't think that bothered you. Well, you should have opened up before then. The highest level of a true relationship is total completeness, open, openness to tell the truth. Look, that hurts me. This is how I really feel. I feel like I'm ugly. Well, I never said you were ugly. No, shut up and listen. This is how I'm opening up to you. This is how I feel. I'm being vulnerable. Don't play with my vulnerability. And you see in prayer, God doesn't. God takes you seriously. He's been waiting for you to come to him and say, God, I'm bitter. God, I'm angry. Self-declosure, vulnerability speaks of self-declosure is when we go deep and highly personal into our own heart. We fear they're going with people. That's why we've got to go there with God. 
We speak of this vulnerability. Job had his friends come. But God didn't speak to him through his friends and God didn't speak to him when the friends were around. Listen to this. It was later when Job finally went off by himself and he got with God that God was able to speak to him. Let me tell you about Jesus. Jesus, the Messiah, the perfect man. Man, perfect God. He came to a vulnerable moment. He left the disciples except three that he told the other three to stay here because he could not talk to them like he was about ready to talk to the Father. Jesus went off alone in Gethsemane. He came to the rock and he exposed himself to the Father. He opened up. He, he got vulnerable. He says, Father, if it be your will. He knew the Father's will, but he was vulnerable that moment. He says, he knew the will, but yet, Lord, if there's a way this cup can pass from me, please let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but thine will. If this cup can pass from me. Then he got up. He'd been vulnerable. He was sweating drops of blood. He was in agony. The enemy was tempting him. Went back. His friends are sleeping. He goes back a second time. Then he goes back a third time. And he gets totally vulnerable. But who does he turn? Who does he speak to what he couldn't tell the others? Because they were already telling him, don't, don't go to Jerusalem. Who did he go speak to that he couldn't speak to no one else about the vulnerability at that moment? Father, the perfect Messiah, let this cup pass from me if it be your will. I don't want to receive the sin. I know what the sin looks like. I don't want to become sin. He was totally vulnerable with the Father. He opened his heart. That's when prayers go deep. That's where God truly meets us face to face. David was vulnerable. He wasn't perfect, but he was vulnerable. He was real. And God said, he's a man after my own heart. He was vulnerable before the Father. Pain and trauma makes you vulnerable to God. Pain serves as a means to get you to God, to cause things to surface and get into real prayer. I got some information from Cindy on communication. And after all, what we were taught with kids, what is prayer? Communicating with God. I started looking at prayer books, and then I started looking at communication. This is this. I started looking at some prayer books and then I started looking at some books on how to communicate and we could take a lot of what we're learning about communication and turn it into prayer because a lot of prayer is memorization. A lot of communication is getting down to the real, communicating with God. At the highest level of communication is the level of no barriers which by definition is complete and emotional and personal truth. David said in Psalms 51 verse 6, Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part, the joints and the marrow, you make me to know wisdom. One rabbi said prayer is about the tension that we feel at the imperfection around us and the exile and alienation and about letting God back in. We shut him out, but prayer is letting him back in. There's areas in my life and ways I've walked today that I might have shut God out, but I, when I get back on my knees and I break before God, I'm opening that window for God to come back in. I can reconnect my whole heart to God, my creator. I allow myself to bask in his presence and I place myself in the midst of his holiness and his divineness. Now, there's something interesting about the word worship. Now, get this, the word worship. In one of the definitions in Hebrew, it means to notch or to cut with the sword. Listen to this. The word worship means to cut oneself. It's a symbolically way of saying, I rip myself open to expose my deepest feelings. That's why so many people say, I couldn't help. I was crying in worship. I was weeping in worship. I heard this song and I started weeping. You know why? Because you cut yourself to expose your deepest emotions so God could heal. I, I should be happy, but yet I'm weeping. What's going on? Your mind cannot understand what your spirit is going through. Your soul is going through. You cannot fathom it. Worship, I cut myself. I expose myself to the feelings of God. I cut myself open to find the wounds and then let them speak to the eternal God. Let my wounds speak to Heavenly Father. Oh, that's freedom. Whew. 
I'm not here to impress you. I can't impress you. I'm here because I need you. My wounds are crying out. I'm bitter over what happened. I'm hurt over what happened. I'm angry about my life. I'm angry about this. I'm angry about that. I need you to heal me. What is the root of my anger, my pain? It draws me closer to God. Look what Job said in chapter 7, verse 20. If I have sinned, what have I done to you, O watcher of all humanity? Why? How many have used that word with God? Why make me your target? Am I a burden to you? You see, as he's praying, more and more starts coming out. He's opening up with God. Am I a burden to you? Am I your target? When you start praying and crying out to God, listen, get ready. The more you go through counseling, the more you go through prayer, the more amplified your feelings become. You start off with a couple and they say, I'm a little hurt. But the more trusted, the more they speak, the more they open up, the more they start amplifying what they said was just a little thing. It ends up being a mountain. In prayer, that which has been hidden starts amplifying. Oh, my father, my father. Look what it says in Isaiah 26, 16. Lord, in distress, we searched for you. We prayed beneath the burden of your discipline. Just as a pregnant woman writhes and cries out in pain as she gives birth, so were we in your presence. I mean, this is some action going on here. This is not just a simple, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray, Lord, I'm so to keep. This person's, he, he, you, you are moving, your body's convulsing, you, you're sweating, you're crying, you're weeping, you're hollering, you just, oh, sometimes you don't, you cannot even say anything, oh, oh, and the deep is, oh, the deep is crying out to deep, and you, your mind starts saying, what's happening to you? That's why the Bible says, get in your closet because they will lock you up in Pinecrest. <laughs> Some of y'all looking at me like I'm crazy, but a lot of you know because you've been there. Oh, God. You Some of you cried on your pillow last night with your mate on the other side and they don't even know it. I hate my life. I hate this person. I wish they were and I know I'm wrong, but I feel that way. God says, come and open up and tell it to me. Tell it to me. I won't think less of you. I won't hate you. I won't destroy you. I will heal you. But you've got to come forward with that. The burden of the presence, the connecting beyond words, the wounded soul gives voice through our prayers and connects us to the love and the power of God. Cindy, one of her workbooks gave me some typical types of communication. I changed it to some typical types of prayer. Let me give these to you. Just like in communication, this is for prayer. Cliche prayers. Words that have no meaning, no expressions, no feelings behind them. You know that type of communication. How was your day today? How was your day today? Fine. Just a typical going through the routine, but no real expression or feelings behind it. The cliche prayer. Number two, never have any real information behind it. Number two, memorize data. Love you. Yeah, love you too. But it's not heart to heart. It's just a routine. It's memorized data. And how many times we go before the Lord. I bless you, Lord. I thank you. Thank you that you saved me. Thank you for blessing my children. Thank you for all the goodness you gave me. In Jesus' name, amen. Number three, opinionated prayers. Opinionated ideas. Well, Lord, you know I don't like that woman that my son's thinking about marrying. So, Lord, if you'd be so kind to do something about her before she ruins my baby. And if you could hear God speak, he'd probably say, She's too good for your baby. <laughs> Opinionated prayers. And then we come to number four. Emotional prayers. Emotional prayers. It's where I share my heart and my soul. Emotional. It's when the kids are not in the room and you're in the room and you start sharing. 
It's when you're on your knees before God and you start opening up and you start speaking. And then number five, the vulnerable are the no barriers. It's complete emotional and personal truthfulness. I share my fears, my discouragements. It's where I become real with God. I love this poem by this Jewish lady, uh, Deanna Mitzger. Listen to what she says. Sometimes the bird turns away. Sometimes it does not open its mouth to sing. Sometimes it's afraid. Sometimes it's afraid of the dark. But listen to this. But when it forgets, it's afraid. It opens its mouth to sing. It fills with light. When it forgets, it's afraid. When it forgets, it is healed from being angry or tormented. When you're on your knees praying and you've, you start getting past the other three points of just memorization, opinionated, and so forth and so on, and you get to that point of open vulnerability and you get to the, uh, no barriers and the place of emotional, you forget that you're afraid, you forget that you're angered, the healing starts taking place, and then the shikana starts coming in. The window's opened. The blessing of God comes. Prayer is not a substitute for sacrifice. It is the sacrifice that battles and brings you close to God. I wrote down one the defini another definition of worship. It means to fall on our knees and to show profound reverence. It's the price to lose control before God and allow Him to be Lord. To lose control and allow Him to be Lord. It means I understand my position before you. You are upon the throne. You are who you are. And as David said in Psalms 95 verse 6, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. And that word maker in Hebrew means the fulfiller, the handler, and the fashioner. The potter who mends the broken pieces. I'll bow down before the one who mends me, makes me who heals me from the brokenness of my life. Amen. One who saves me at this moment. When I was a child, I used to sneak in the church and I know how to play this. I know how to play a few hymns on one finger. And one of my favorite hymns to play on one's finger was Sweet Hour of Prayer. That calls me from, calls me from a world of care. Bids me at my father's throne and makes my wants and wishes known. In seasons of distress and grief, my soul has often found relief and oft escaped the tempter's snare by thy return, sweet hour of prayer. With such I hasten to the place where God my Savior shows his face and gladly takes my station there and wait for thee, sweet hour prayer. The last part. And since he bids me seek his face, believe his word and trust his grace, I cast on him my every care and wait on thee, sweet hour of prayer. These people had heart with God. It wasn't, let's get together and write a song. These people, let my life be your song. Let my heart express. You can't make this stuff up. Oh yeah, that's good. Write that down. No. This comes by being hours on the knees before God and seeing his face and letting things surface and express. That's where real songs are written. That's where lives are changed. And that's where real messages are written. Because it's where the heart is. I've lived it. I know it. I've seen it.
where God is bringing us. Thank God for counseling. Thank God for help. But you will go through every counselor in the county. You will go from church to church and pastor to pastor, from book to book, seminar to seminar. But I'm here to tell you by the Father, if you never bend your knee and pray, you'll keep going hours through counseling, spending all that money, and getting a little help and a real, real relief. But by the time you get home, you're the same person and the same thing. Thank God for counseling. It helps things service. It brings some healing. But nobody can do you like Jesus. But you're going to have to pay the price. And you have to come before God. And you're going to have to, Father, my Father, which art in heaven, I will be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in my life. Forgive me of my sins as I forgive those who trespass against me. Give me this day my daily bread. For thy is in the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I come before you, Father. I'm not hiding it anymore. I'm laying it all on the table. This is who I am and this is how I feel. And I need you, my maker, to remake me, to mold me, to cleanse me, and to fashion me. I've fooled a lot of people, but I've not fooled you. And I'm tired of fooling myself. I surrender. And you get real with God, and he'll turn you into a real person. But the church has to get back to prayer real prayer let's stand upon our feet just bow your head and close your eyes you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior you're here today and you've never surrendered to God something would happen to you when you would leave here you don't know if you'd go to heaven or hell and you live in fear of dying you know maybe you know your life is not right you came here today and you know your life is not right you're not here by accident today is the day of salvation today is the day of you, for you to surrender your life to Jesus Christ and allow him to be Lord and rescue you and save you if I'm speaking to you right now you know you've got to get saved you raise your hand right now right there where you are you just raise your hand and you surrender to Jesus today right now God bless you I see your hand sir anyone else raise your hand real high real high so we can see there's one anyone else raise your hand real high so we can see God bless you, sir. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? You know you've got to give your life to Christ. Raise your hand real high so I know it's, it's you. Anyone? Anyone at all? Anyone else? Don't turn him away. He loves you so much, just like you are. Anyone else today? Anyone else? With those two people, will you come, please? Come and let us pray with you. Both to my left and to my right. Both of y'all come. Come come you raised your hand now make the next step come and let the father see you come come just as you are come my sis my brother come come let us pray with you come God bless you yes come stand right here face come 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 my precious brother come sis come God bless you right here come sir God bless you sir come come stand right here Anyone else today? Anyone else? You want to surrender your life to Christ? I ask you to be praying. Be praying for those next to you. Be praying if there's someone else who doesn't know Christ. Pray. Pray for them. But at the same time, pray over your heart. There's a lot of bitter children of God. Because you haven't ever gone to that place where you've let it pour out. Years and years you've kept it in instead of opening it up. Ask God to show you there's something right now in this place, at this point you, where you're feeling, you feel his presence and you know you're vulnerable right now. You could come to the altar.
altar. Come to the altar. Lay to the altar. Kneel at your chair. Right there, however you want to do it, but, but do it now. Open your heart and expose your feelings, your hurts, your anger, your bitterness. The vexation. Just give it to Jesus. Just give it to Jesus. God bless you. God bless you, sir. He was touching you today, was he? Oh, hallelujah. He's ready to rescue you. He's ready to rescue us. I ask you to put your hand upon your heart. The Bible says if we believe with our heart and confess with our mouth, we shall be saved. I want you to get ready because Jesus is going to come in. And he's going to be your Lord. And he's going to be your Savior. And he's going to rescue you. And he has the answers to all the confusions, all the pain, all the hurt, the wondering, the journey you've been on. The feeling of being lost and yet desiring so much to be found. He's doing a work in you right now. Pray this prayer with me and open your heart to the Lord and say, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I surrender my life and I give it to you. All of it. Forgive me of all my sins and the errors of my way. Cover me and wash me in your precious blood. Redeem my life. Come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. And I thank you, Father, that right now I confess your Son, Jesus Christ, as my Lord and my Savior. I am saved and I am forgiven in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Give the Lord praise. God bless you, my brother. Welcome to the family of Christ. God bless you, my sister. God bless you. God bless you. Bless you. Praise God. Glory. Hallelujah. 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 We love you. We love you and we bless you. Tonight.